2020 final stage. Ooh, baby, can you feel it? Que golazo with Jimmy Conrad as we go through every game. We give you a great preview. Que golazo, Euro 2020 quarterfinal stage. Preview begins right now. Hey, everybody, welcome to Que golazo, Euro 2020 quarterfinal preview, baby. And of course, my man, my brother, Jimmy Conrad, Jimmy Clark Kent Conrad. <laughs> Jimmy C, what's up, man? Oh, nothing much. I had my wedding anniversary last night. And I will say that I might have had one or two alcoholic beverages, <laughs> some, adult, some adult beverages. I'm wearing my Clark Kent glasses to maybe not show my bags under my eyes. But you no. know what? We, we had a great time and it's something worth celebrating. It is absolute. Fant- Congratulations. Wait, do I still have it? Wait, hold up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Congrats. Yes to the Conrads, you. baby. Let's go. Go Conrads, go. <laughs> Every now and again, I pull that out of the bag. I love it. Jimmy <laughs> and uh, Mrs. Jimmy, congrats to both thank of you. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Absolutely amazing. Um, and that's why he looks so dapper today. Uh, and um, you, I mean, listen, he's still ready to go because this is a Euro 2020 quarterfinal preview. This this is now when it gets really tasty, Jimmy Conrad. Well, the train never slows down. Choo-choo. I'm Choo-choo. here to be a conductor, LME, <laughs> alongside you. So I'm excited to break down these games. I think the Euros continues to deliver, maybe even over-deliver. It's been so exciting and so many great narratives. So, yeah, you tell me where to start. Let's get after it. Absolutely. And you make a very good point. I think this uh, Euro 2020 tournament has over-delivered. I think we're going to reflect back and be like, oh my God, we were blessed. Blessed with action. And let's hope it continues and we continue here. Of course, quarterfinal preview. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do the Friday games first. We'll take a quick break and then we'll do Saturday, Jimmy Conrad. So uh, just to tell everybody the schedule on Friday, the first one, kicking everything off, Switzerland against Spain. Let's go after it, Jimmy Conrad. Switzerland after Spain. Uh, A really good game, I think, to kick everything off. Well, this is an interesting one because, as we saw a couple days ago, the Swiss pulled off a miracle versus France, down two goals with 10 minutes left to go. And I still cannot believe the French, given their experience, just got so lackadaisical and, and lost that urgency when they just needed to lock it down. You know what? They're out. Commiserations to them. Let's move forward with the Swiss. Uh, they had something, right? They they brought something to the to the equation. What's funny though is they're taking on an opponent in Spain who were France. They were up three one with five minutes left to go and gave up two goals to Croatia to send that one into extra time. Now they found a way in extra time to to make it happen. Alvaro Morata scoring is very very important for this team, uh, both individually and collectively, and it takes some pressure off of some of those players for sure. The thing is though. Because Swiss are the ones that kind of came back and Spain were the ones that dropped the lead. Who learned the most from that situation? That is the biggest question, Luis, because I feel like the Swiss can take a lot of positives away from their game against France. And when I went back and I, I, I skimmed it, I was looking at different decisions and obviously the key highlights and all that, but looking at different times of when they had the ball, when they were pressing, dude, they went right after France. Yeah. And, and I loved it. And if they can continue to keep that up, then they put the, they're going to put themselves in a position to at least get a draw, I think, to, to the 90 minutes and then roll the dice again, just like they did with the Fran- with France in extra time. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, Jimmy, is, uh, you know, just from a historical perspective, this is Switzerland's fourth quarterfinal appearance at a major tournament, the World Cup and Euro combined and their first in the European Championship. So it's not like they're strangers to this situation. Having said all that, to your point, 
defeating France is honestly a mountain to climb. I know that everything kind of uh, concluded itself with England, Germany. So that's really main, being the main topic, topic point. But hats off to Switzerland. I mean, listen, like France at one point, what was it? 3-1 up and you thought this is over. This is done. Like after the Paul Pogba smasher, you just thought it's done. And look what Switzerland did. Incredible stuff. Well, what's interesting is that they scored the first goal. Switzerland, and they scored a good first goal. Seferovic scored a header, a uh, good ball in the box. Like they had an, a plan. And, yeah, made Lenglet look like a scarecrow in that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't even get me going on the French center backs. But but then then in the second half, you, you would think after halftime, hey, we got the 1-0 lead. Let's just let's just chill. And they had that penalty. They kept driving at the French. They kept putting, the, the, especially the French back line, on their heels. Hey, you know what? Make plays. And what's very similar to the Croatia game, and this is where it uh, pertains to Spain, when Croatia turned it up to that level and all of a sudden had that type of urgency, Spain couldn't cope either. So, so what I think is going to be a little bit different this time around in this particular matchup is that Spain dominate possession in, in, in almost every single facet and in almost every single zone of the field. So the Swiss had 46% possession. Croatia had 32% possession against Spain. I think it's going to look pretty similar. And can Switzerland cope with not having the ball? I think they're going to be fine. They look like they're, they're, they understand that they were going to be a counterattacking team against France, but they almost had 50 percent possession against France. France yeah. conceded a lot. So this game's going to be a little bit different. And now you're talking about a, a team in Spain who have scored 10 goals in their last two games. And let's take away the, the extra time goals. They've still scored eight goals in their last 180 regular uh, time minutes. So they're feeling something. And we're not going to see Unai Simon make another mistake like he did to gift the goal to Croatia. He made some tremendous saves. Along yeah, he definitely way. redeemed himself towards the end of that game. Absolutely, yeah. Mike, my, my only concern for Spain is when that urgency gets ratcheted up and Croatia did it, they scored bang, bang. Two goals yep. in the last five minutes. And you're talking about world-class defenders there. So it's it's... It's, it's interesting when pressure comes and it comes in a meaningful way, even world-class players can crumble and we've seen it all over this tournament, but that's what I find interesting. I just, my big, big, my only concern here for, for Switzerland lineup wise is Granit Xhaka's out due to yellow card accumulation. Whatever you think about Granit Xhaka, he's one of those players that seems to play better for his country than he does for his club. And maybe he's more little, I don't know. He seems more emotional when he plays for Arsenal. And obviously there's a lot of pressure on those Arsenal players because they get so much criticism all the time. Switzerland, he can just kind of relax. Nobody expects anything out of Switzerland. Him being out with the amount of ground that he covers, wearing the captain's armband, he can hit a good pass. He can break the lines with his running and or passing. You know, he does bring some stuff and he hits good set pieces. He's going to be he's going to be missed in, in a lot of different ways. And I think, is that the whole pivotal thing? I never thought in a million years, I'd say without Granit Xhaka, this team cannot win, <laughs> but, but he's done enough. And I think he's been pretty impressive this tournament to, to warrant that it's a pretty big miss and loss for, for Switzerland. So I like, I like Spain to win it and then I'll give you my lines, but I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts, Luis. Yeah, definitely. Before your betting tips, just wanted to raise a few things that you said. The number one thing I think is possession. I think this is a possession game uh, strategy here where Spain, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think it's going to be similar to the Croatia game where Spain's going to have a lot of possession, but does that, translate itself into control. The problem with France is that, and it's been a situation that we've talked about for a long time, Switzerland didn't have a problem with uh, France at the very end, right? They kept going because France, actually, Didier Deschamps doesn't like it when France have the ball. 
They, he doesn't want it to have it. He wants them to rely on the talent and the pace. And obviously, you know, it didn't work out. Spain can control with possession. It just depends, to your point, if Switzerland can do it. By the way, you mentioned all those goals. Spain became the first country, nation, in European Championship history to score five goals you know, consecutively. Absolutely amazing. I think this is going to be, if Switzerland have to win this, it has to be an aerial battle. I think that that's where they're going to try and you know, take some kind of dominance. But I don't know. Listen, the fact that Switzerland beat France can, you know, basically tells you everything. Anything can happen. All right, give me your betting tips. Yeah. I, I- where I will start with, I think both teams will score. I think that Safarovic is full of confidence right now. He's a confidence type player. Uh, when he plays for Benfica, it's the same. He is tremendous at getting opportunities. Now it's just, I don't know if he's the Swiss Alvaro Morata. He puts himself in good spots, but doesn't always have the quality to finish them off. But right now he seems to be in a good vibe, obviously scoring two headers. So I should probably look to see Severovich get in a header in this one because I do think they're they're whipping balls in the box. But I like Spain to win ultimately. But I just wanted to say I think both teams to score. I don't see the Swiss being held off the board. I think that urgency which Spain failed to cope with will come from the Swiss. I think there's a lot of good things that Croatia did that put Spain on their back heels. And I think the Swiss coaching staff can look at, hey, let's try to mimic this in a lot of different ways. This is some vulnerabilities that we've spotted. But obviously Spain are doing the same thing. With Swiss, I, again, Switzerland now takes another step in this competition, knowing they have nothing to lose. Yeah, and Spain are the team that have everything to lose. They're expected to win, and they don't always do well in that role, right? No, there's even though I, I guess with this particular generation, before they knew they were going to win every game with that other golden generation, it didn't work out. So I like Spain to win both teams to score plus two seventy. Uh, Raymond Froiler, who plays for Atalanta, he doesn't get a lot of yellow cards. But I hit this bet before with Croatia, uh, Brozovic getting a yellow. Because if you're in the middle of the park in midfield against Spain, you're chasing the ball so much. And you, you get, they're going to draw you out of position. And when you get drawn out of position, you now you know, dabble in the dark arts, as I like to say, of trying to get back into play. So you grab a shirt or you, you, know, you tackle somebody from behind to kill the playoff. And I think Raymond Freuler, to get carded, is good value at plus 280. But the guy that's going to probably replace uh, Granite Jaka if he starts, Dennis Zakaria from, from Borussia Mönchengladbach. He gets a lot of yellow cards when he does play, plus 188. So not as much value there. I think either one of those center mids you should look at from a yellow card perspective. But this is going to be a great game. I, I think that Spain survived something, whereas Swiss are kind of like playing with house money, and it's just depending on where you want to find it. But I just think the talent's going to wear out. I will say that the 83rd minute against Croatia, it was 3-1 at that time. It wasn't three, three, even 3-2 three, at that point. And Danny Olmo had a one-on-one from an angle uh, in the box in the 83rd minute. He could have just gone to the corner flag and killed the game off, right? And just killed time and whatever. You don't need to score another one to make it four. If he scores that, though, we're talking about this complete Spain annihilation, right? And, and how Spain are going to be the heavy favorites no matter who they play, whether it was France or Switzerland. And within that miss, they go down and score uh, uh, like, 30 seconds later. It's crazy how quickly things have changed in this tournament. I'm looking at you, the Dutch, but, but there's, there's, I just feel like we were really close from one play. Danny Elmo scores that of just talking about how great Spain looks right now. And they've hit their peak this tournament. And because they gave up two late goals and made it so more, much more exciting and dramatic, we were missing out on that narrative when they were so close, which gets us back to the theme we talk about a lot. There's a thin line between success and failure at the highest level. 
Yeah, and Dani Almo, one of the leaders, uh, assist leaders for Spain as well, so watch out for that. I'm going to ask uh, all the predictions of these games at the end, and we got to keep rolling, Jimmy Conrad. Do we it, spent too it. much time with Spain and Switzerland, Jimmy Conrad, way too That's much. Great. It's great, Because we got a great game later on in the day as Belgium face Italy. Ooh, baby, easily the headliner of all these games. This is going to be the fifth meeting between Belgium and Italy at a major tournament. All four previous meetings came in the group stages uh, in the 54 World Cup and the European Championship in 80, 2000, and 2016. And Italy avoided losses in all four games. Make that what you will. This, my friends, is a game to watch. Jimmy Conner, what do you have? Oh, my God, I love this. This is the one we should probably spend the most time on. But my big question, I feel like I've got a big question for every matchup, is who wins the battle between Romelu Lukaku and the Italian defenders that he knows so well from his time in Serie A? That, that's the big one. Now, Lukaku leads the line for the most experienced squad at these Euros, a group which contains five players with 100 caps or more, 15 of whom played at Euro 2016, while 18 featured at the last World Cup. So experience does matter, and I've said that before. But as you mentioned, they do have a bit of a nemesis historically with Italy. And this is what I find. This is like my favorite, favorite fun fact. The, the last time that Roberto Martinez played against Roberto uh, Mancini, the manager at, at the club level, was in that 2013 FA Cup final. And <laughs> Roberto yeah. Martinez led Wigan to an upset of pretty big proportions to claim their first ever major trophy for the club, Wigan, against Mancini's Manchester City. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. that. Was the Roberto now. battle, that's right, yeah. But, of course, Roberto Martinez couldn't make it work domestically as Wigan got relegated, which is the craziest story for them to get relegated. But yeah, but he, his Wigan side, oh, man, that was so great to watch. And you just knew there's a manager in there that's going to do big things. And, and here you have it. So, you know, Italy, Belgium, they re-meet, which is kind of kind of cool. It is very cool. And I'm curious to see. I feel like that's a cool, cool storyline to, to play up and, and to talk about. Italy, though, 31 game on beaten streak. And yes, they gave up their first goal in the last 12 games to Austria in extra time. But if we look at the 90 minutes, they didn't give up a chance. So through 90 minutes, for me, they're still 12 games unbeaten or un, in, un, in not scored upon. Yeah, they had their high. worst game against Austria and they still were okay and they won, essentially, which is, you know, says a lot. I think also you need a little bit of luck to win any type of competition. And I think they ran into that game where they got a little bit of luck. Austria yep. did have that goal called back. It was rightfully called back, but... It was the margins were very close on that. So and I think if Austria had scored first, Italy looked like they didn't have a lot of solutions and answers until Mancini made those subs. So when those subs came on, I think that's going to be the big thing because Chiesa came on and scored. Uh, Pacina came on and scored. Uh, Locatelli ended up coming on and making a difference. Verratti didn't look like 100 even though he's a tremendous player. These are the big questions. If Chiellini comes back into the team instead of a Cherby, I just like that Bonucci Chiellini center back pairing. This is probably, you know, one of the last, maybe the last year or two that we're going to see these two ever play together again, yeah. the national team. I like Italy to win straight up. I think the value is good at plus 140. I honestly would look at potentially the probability bets of the draw, just in case, the draw and under two and a half goals plus 240. And Italy win and under two and a half goals plus 320. I could bet both of those the same value, of course, 10 bucks. And, and Th that's pretty good. And also just to add something, and I'm sure you'll talk about it in a second, you know, let, just just an update, everybody. Kevin De Bruyne failed to train uh, with Belgium on, on Wednesday. Uh, Hazard did manage half a session ahead of the game against Italy. And this was obviously after each player forcing to come off uh, after they beat Portugal in that game. Uh, De Bruyne was hit by a really 
you know, late tackle and has a, you know, had a hamstring problem. So I, the, I don't, I don't see De Bruyne in this game at all. Hazard, I don't, I don't see him starting. So that, that's to, I mean, Belgium clearly has a lot of talent and depth, but to your point, look at Italy's side when you can have somebody like Chiesa come in late, look at Tally probably, you know, as well, you know, they just have so many weapons. So does that worry you, Jimmy Conrad? You know, De Bruyne, Hazard oh, absences. A hundred percent. I should have said uh, my concerns about Belgium before I gave you my betting lines. But I will <laughs> yeah. say Kevin De Bruyne not starting, obviously super key piece. Eden Hazard actually doesn't make or break. If he doesn't play, it doesn't change my thoughts on Belgium. De Bruyne, of course, is a bigger loss. A Torgan Hazard has been probably the Hazard that's had the most yeah. impact uh, on the team. Let's not forget, Jimmy, that when they played Denmark, De Bruyne entering the game, along as well with Witzel and Hazard also, but De Bruyne mainly. As soon as he came on, like Belgium almost kind of like exhaled. It was like, finally, we have somebody that can do a few things. So it's it's a major thing, obviously. I mean, this is obvious statement from Jimmy and, and LME here. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne not playing is a big deal. Uh, hashtag analysis. That's why you guys come <laughs> and listen to the pod. What I'll say is that when I look at the back line of Belgium, they're not very good. Yes, they have a ton of experience. Not say good. They're not very fast. Yeah, they're slow. Yeah. Vertonghen, Alderweireld, Spurs defenders, even though Vertonghen doesn't play anymore. Vermaelen, Arsenal defender, doesn't play in there, there anymore. But still, they got that North London experience. I don't know if, if Portugal really exposed those back three in the way that they should have. You know, obviously Belgium very efficient with it, scoring one goal on their one shot and and gave up a ton of opportunities. A lot of them at the end when when Portugal were chasing it. But there's something about that urgency putting Portugal on their or, or yeah putting them on their on their heels, Belgium on their heels, that that I think could change things. So so I like Berardi. He's been starting there, but I think Chiesa has done enough now to maybe warrant a start. And he's very good. And we saw it with Juve. We saw it with Fiorentina before, at just running in between those gaps. You know, getting the center backs to kind of really focus on the the number nine, whether it's a Mobile or, or Balotti or whoever it is. And then just getting in behind, they need to stretch that defense somehow. And I don't think Portugal did a very good job of that. And of and course they, they have Lorenzo Insigne on the other they side. Insigne on the other side who can do similar things. So I like this front three. I think a Mobile will start. I think really the big questions for Italy are, do you take out Nico Barella, who I love, but he hasn't really been firing it up. You keep Verratti in and bring in Locatelli mm -hmm. around Jorginho, who has been excellent. And then Chiellini and Benucci, you got Di Lorenzo on the right and, and Spinazzola. On the, I mean, Donnarumma, I mean, they've got it. They've got the team and they know exactly how they want to play. Whereas now you're hoping that Belgium get the most out of these guys. Carrasco should come in for Kevin De Bruyne. Juice Mertens will probably come in for Eden Hazard and start and Eden can come off as a super sub. I mean, we've come this far, Jimmy, without I talking about a player that knows Italian defenders very well. A striker that knows Italian defenders very well. Romelu Lukaku should be able to get a better game than he did against uh, Portugal. Well, that was my opening question, right? Which who's gets who get who has the advantage here? Is it yeah. is it the two Juve defenders that'll be starting there? And now you got Jorginho sitting in front of them. They they know Nico Barella plays with uh, Lukaku, so they're very familiar with with what he does. Conversely, Lukaku is very familiar with these guys. I, I wonder, and this is this is a, a great game, and, and Lukaku's been fantastic in Italy. He's been eating those guys up for lunch and spitting them out and then eating them again. So he, uh, and he, the way he does it too, it's, it's, it's sometimes he breaks you down with like some good combination play, or then sometimes he's looking for stuff over the top, or it's just, you can't say, he's honestly unplayable right now. So when you have a player that's playing that hot and is that unplayable, you have to defend everybody else and suffocate 
the service that he gets. And if he does get some service, he's got to be pushed way away from the box or out wide and just from the dangerous areas. And I think Italy historically have been very good at that. And I think this, this current crop of, of players as well. I think it's going to be a tight game. But the fact that Belgium didn't create a ton of opportunities against the Portugal team that had been bleeding a lot of goals with everybody healthy gives me a little bit of concern. And I think Italy, conversely, because they kind of survived something against Austria, they can take a breath and I think relax. And I think Italy will just get by Belgium here, uh, but it'll be under two and a half goals. Great stuff. And when you remove your architect, Kevin De Bruyne, it becomes an either bigger mountain yes. to climb. All right, we're going to take a break when we come back. Saturday's games uh, coming at you. So, que golazo Euro 2020 quarterfinal with Jimmy Clark and Conrad coming <laughs> right up. Stay right here. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody, to Kego Lasso. You're a 2020 quarterfinal preview. Jimmy Conrad, we're moving on now to Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, Czech Republic against Denmark, noon, 12 p.m. Eastern. You're half Danish. Uh, talk to me. This is a good game. I feel on paper you're thinking, ah, maybe not the most exciting. I don't know. I feel this one has goals in it. What say you, Jimmy Conrad? Listen, I am completely biased. I am Denmark all the way, baby. Let's go. Yes, my dad was born there. I'm 50% Danish, and you can't convince me that the Czech Republic is going to do it. However, <laughs> them beating the Dutch 2-0, and, and less about, it was after the red card, right? And, and after Danielle Mullen missed a breakaway and Vasek made a good save. But prior to that particular moment, I thought the Czechs were fantastic. I mean, they gave the Dutch nothing, nothing. And we're talking about a team that was very good, one of the highest scoring teams in the group stages. Yeah. And they were they were ready for them and they were prepared. This is going to be a tough game for the Danes. But since the Danes have switched to a back three, nobody can solve it. And, and they feel like they've really tapped into something. They've scored eight goals in their last two games, essentially matching Spain over those in over 90 minutes at least. And and they've got they've got they got the juice, man. They got something. Obviously, they've got this, this uh, Christian Eriksen, you know, obviously optimism now that he's okay, but living through that experience and this, yeah. this collective. The energy of Eriksen is just, uh, you know, permeating throughout the entire squad. Yeah. Yeah, but like you're living through this really, uh, obviously, incredible, crazy experience and coming through it on the other side, knowing that Christian Eriksen is going to be okay and, and he's going to live. And then that that togetherness is something that I don't think any other team can match because that is such a unique experience uh, and sad. But thankfully, everything's okay. So, so 
I think that's giving some wind beneath Denmark's wings. And they're really playing with that. Hey, we've got this, this perspective of this isn't that big of a deal. Let's go out there and have some fun. And, and they've tapped into that and they've played really, really well on both sides of the ball. I think they're going to continue to ride that into the semifinals, though. I don't want to sleep on the checks. I mean, they've got Patrick Schick. Now he's got four goals. He's one behind Cristiano Ronaldo for, for the lead golden boot in the tournament. They're uh, all trailing Mr. Own goal though, Jimmy Conran. I heard that's true. Own goal. I, I saw own goal's interview. Tremendous by the way. <laughs> uh, Suchek has been fantastic. I'm wearing a West Ham Jersey. So I'm kind of giving him some love. Uh, Vaslik in goal. You know, I talked about him in a previous uh, podcast and, and I think he'll never be a key player. You know, the goalkeepers could make a difference in this one. You're going to need your goalkeeper to make big saves. That said, I'm not going to go against uh, Denmark. You know, the replacement for for Christian Eriksen, uh, Damsgaard has been fantastic. The 20 year olds, yeah. I think they're just they're on something, man. They, as well, you said, they got that energy, and 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 even on paper, let's leave all the Christian Eriksen stuff out. Denmark's just been better uh, in Europe in general, World Cup qualifying, uh, Nations League. They're just a little bit more consistent, and now that they've switched to a back three and unlocked something, coupled with that energy now with the Christian Eriksen stuff, I just think they've got too much of a vibe that that might be a little bit more than than Czech can handle. Well, my friend, to echo your point, Denmark are averaging nearly 19 shots and uh, just under seven and a half shots on target per game, which is, by the way, uh, their highest numbers on record at a single edition in a major tournament. You know, they're doing offensively. They're really doing it. I, I can't remember if it was you I was talking to you about this, but Poulsen on his day is unplayable. You can't, you can't deal with him because many things that you mentioned about Lukaku, I'm not saying they're the same player at all. I'm just saying that like he's so flexible, Poulsen. He can act as a holding player. He's a creator. He scores goals. He's fast. He invites people on. He's mega confident. I don't know. He's unplayable. I don't just want to focus on one player, but those stats that I just said, a lot of it is because they're so dynamic up top. Uh, historically, though, historically, 2004 Euro 2020, they, well, European Championship 2004, quarterfinals, same fixture, and uh, the Czech Republic won 3 nothing. It's a completely different kettle of fish here. Uh, historically, it favors the Czechs, but in terms of how dynamic this Danish team is, you know, aside from the Christian Eriksen thing, you should be able to favor them, I think. Uh, you know, just regardless of how stoic the Czechs have been. Uh, when I look at Denmark too, they've got so many different players that have scored. They have three players that have scored yeah. two goals. Casper uh, Dolberg, that was his first game of the tournament against Wales and he scored a brace, you know, so <laughs> I, so I expect good. Hill. So, yeah, it's, 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 well, actually it's second. He came on as a sub in another one, but, but it was his first start. You got uh, Domsgaard's got one goal and assist. Uh, Hoiberg's got three assists. Braithwaite's got a goal. Polson's got two. Christensen's got one. I mean, they just, they're kind of hurting you on either on set pieces or the run of play or from crosses or from breaking you down the middle. They're, they're, they're difficult. And, and it was bold move to kind of switch formations and, and, and obviously hopeful, hope, knowing that your team, it might not work, right? You take that risk moving from the back four to a back three, but it's really paid off and, and it's led to a lot of goals and the checks have a lot of different things to solve. And I wonder if they have, the personnel to make that happen. I don't want to sleep on them though. They have had some good performances and obviously they took advantage of a Dutch team after the, the red card to, to just put that one away. And that, that's a sign of a mature team, right? A team that knows how to handle different situations. So they're going to be tough, but, but also when I look at the lines, let's get to the lines really quick. The ones that I'm looking at just for value over two and a half goals plus plus one forty, Luis is 
is interesting to me. The Czech have played a lot of their games pretty tight. It was 1-1 against Croatia, 2-0 against Scotland, 1-0 loss to, to England, 2-0 win over the Dutch, and that game was pretty tight. But Denmark are scoring so many goals. All their games are being close to over two and a half goals. I think this one could be a little wide open. And uh, I like the over. And then I like Schick, Schick to score anytime, plus 240. I like that value a lot too. But ultimately, my big bet, a little bit more of the risky one. I like Denmark to win. My heart's in the way here. So take that into consideration when you guys decide how you want to bet this. And both teams to score. So Denmark to win, both teams to score, plus 400. I love it. I love it. By the way, the final thing about this game, Martin Braithwaite, a friend of the show, by the way, Gonquego Lasso as well. His cousin, I'm sorry, his uncle, but they're kind of the same age because of a family thing. His, his uncle, Philip Michael, uh, messaged me this morning, sending me an article about Braithwaite's numbers for Euro 2020, and they're staggering. Uh, the one-on-one -on -one success rate for Martin Braithwaite is in the top three of the tournaments, like more than 80%. Okay, only Pogba and Hungary's uh, Roland Salai are a little bit higher, okay? So his, like, one-on-one -on -one success rate, really good. Also, 13 finishes among the five most shooting players of the Euro tournaments. He's hit the woodwork twice. Like, he's got this very subtle statistical number in this tournament that's really good offensively, and I feel like it might just go off in this game. So shout-out to Martin Braithwaite and Denmark as well. All right, well, listen, I don't know. I'm going with you, man. Emotionally... Like Casper Michael said, they're going to win this whole thing for Christian Eriksen. And I said before, I'm starting to believe him. So who knows? Who knows? Who knows? That's, you know, there we go. Who knows? All right, let's end it with this final game. England, is it coming home against Andrei Shevchenko's Ukraine? That game is on Saturday, the final game of the quarterfinals, 3 p.m. Eastern. What do you have? Well, I'll say this. England are playing away from home for the only time in this tournament, if they end up getting to the semis and then the final, everything's in Wembley. So they've got that going for them, which is nice. This one is going to be at the Estadio Olimpico in Rome. We'll see how they perform there. But this one's actually a, a quick one for me to break down. England are yet to concede a goal. They were one Thomas Muller chance aside, which they inflicted upon themselves. Raheem Sterling was actually the one that gave the ball away. Yeah, yeah. people were looking more uh, at Stones, but it really was Raheem's bad pass. Well, it started that. I thought that Stones, with regard to that particular play, former center back experience speaking, he should be ready for it. Yeah. He should have, well, that, and also he he should have made the commitment just to go and then foul the guy, you know, uh, yeah, take, take the chance, take a yellow and can kill the play at midfield. He wouldn't have got a red there. He probably would have just got a nice stern talking to and a yellow, but yeah, that would have killed the play. Instead, he drops off and now he's in no man's land. He, he's not doing anything. He's not involved in any part of the play because he's 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 caught. But yes, yeah. it starts with Sterling. Stones could have maybe helped solve it quickly. He decided to take the safe route and that didn't work out. Thankfully, Moore didn't score, but they inflicted that upon themselves. And then also they had a good chance, Germany did in the first half, where it was, De it was um, Declan Rice, I think, that ended up giving the ball away. So they're really inflicting all their mistakes on them. Outside of that, though, I can't really remember maybe one or two plays throughout the whole tournament where I thought, man, that other team just missed a great opportunity. Yeah. They're so good. defensively. So good. So good. And I expect that we're going to see another three center backs with Kyle Walker being one of the center backs, uh, Trippier on one side, Luke Shaw on the other, the double pivot. I'm curious though, because there are a couple of players that if they get another yellow Declan Rice, and I think Calvin Phillips are both on that on one yellow, if they get one more, they're going to be out for the semis. So Jordan Henderson could come in. Um, Really, it's just lineup changes, but because they're so stout defensively and Ukraine looked tired against Sweden, they had to play an extra 30 minutes. They had that emotional thing. First time ever uh, getting this far in the tournament. 
I just think they're going to run out of gas and they're going to play against a team that know what the hell they're doing. And, and no disrespect to Sweden, um, you know, a little unlucky in certain ways. Forsberg at 1-1 hit the post before the red card and all that. I just think that England are going to have enough. And, and so I like England to win. I think Ukraine will come out smart. I don't think they're going to be maybe as guns blazing as they have been throughout the tournament. I don't think that really bodes well for them. I like the England to win in the under plus 200. I like Grealish. Hopefully Grealish starts. Uh, him to get an assist is plus 200. So I'm kind of looking at those. I'm just, I just I'd like to give you guys at, some any, value. at any time during the game. Anytime. Get yeah, so that's a great bet then. I mean, he could come in to unlock it as a super sub. Exactly. Like yeah. Uh, in the last game against Germany, or he could start, and we know that he's going to create something. But I think Grealish is an incredible catalyst for that team going forward. And when he came on the field, even though you know he didn't, he wasn't the one that scored. Two goals happened. Imagine that Grealish comes on, and within ten minutes, he's already you know created a goal, a couple goals, and and he did it against uh, Czech Republic as well. No big surprise. I'm not saying a word, everybody. Okay, I just you're listening, right? It's not, I'm not, I'm, I haven't said one thing about Jack Grealish. This is all Jimmy Conrad talking. Okay, and carry on, my friend. Carry I, on. I just want to say that for as much criticism as Gareth Southgate gets, and, and I feel like some of it's it's right, you know, but. And this might not be the way that people want to see an England team play it was, you know, essentially seven very, very good defenders behind the ball blocking everything, but it's been so effective. And Bold I honestly, lie, man. Bold all right. I, I raised my hand and say, I didn't really like the lineup that he started against Germany. I thought it was very, very defensive. And he only left Harry Kane and Sterling and Saka essentially by themselves to, to yeah, see if you can get past Matt Summels and some of the slow defenders that they got there and make it happen. But uh, it's worked. It's worked. It to, worked. To great Listen, effect. Tony Cruz at the end of that game said they felt suffocated by England and it just worked to a T. I am with you 100%. I am not the biggest fan sometimes of Southgate's choices. They haven't conceded a goal at the Euro tournament and they're in the quarterfinals and they just beat Germany at a major tournament in a knockout competition yeah. for the first time since 66. You just have to go behind them right now, you no do. matter what. You do. So just give some love to, to Ukraine. Obviously, Zinchenko, a very influential, scored a very good goal against Sweden. He looked up for it. I thought he was the man of the match. You got Yarmchuk and Yarmolenko up top, uh, who are very good players. I do like uh, Sharon Penko as well in midfields. I just feel like that goalkeeper, we've seen him. He made some errors against the Dutch. You have to pepper him. His decision-making sometimes is a little inconsistent. Sometimes he comes off his line. Sometimes he doesn't. He can make the big save for sure but you got to keep putting him under pressure. So that'll be England's big challenge. Like just shoot from outside, follow up the chances, whip balls into good areas, make him make decisions. And I think you're going to see a gift from the Ukrainian goalkeeper if they can pepper that goal a lot. And then that center back, they're going to probably try to match England in the three, five, two, or some type of three back and try to make sure that England don't have those numerical advantages either out wide or in the middle of midfield. So it should be kind of a straight up affair. But when you look at the talent, if you're going to go straight up with England, you're not going to win. They're just more talented than Ukraine. That said, Ukraine do have some special players like the ones I mentioned that can make stuff happen. And I really liked the approach from Ukraine. I thought they were a little more disciplined in the round of 16 than we had seen them previously in the group stages. And they're here. I mean, you can't deny the feather in the quarterfinals. Listen, England and Ukraine have met at a major tournament once uh, before uh, when England won one nothing in the group stages in Euro 2012. That was thanks to a Wayne Rooney goal. And by the way, England in the quarterfinals, they usually go to extra time and penalties. Will it happen again? No. Mm -hmm. no. I, I think so too. Uh, it's it's all, a, listen, it's all set up for England. Broken. 
Yeah. It's all set up for England. If they win this one in Rome, they go back to Wembley for the semis and they go to Wembley for the final. It's going to be England, Denmark in one semi. And we'll see if they can overcome that Danish energy. And then I got Italy and Spain in the other semi, which is unbelievable semifinal, by the way. Well, that was my next question. So now we have uh, your guess is Italy and Spain on one side, Italy to beat Belgium, Spain uh, to win over Switzerland, then England to win this game against Ukraine. And of course, the other one as Denmark will beat the Czech Republic. I think my friend, I have it exactly the same, especially, oh, you know why? Unbelievable. Great because, minds think alike. Exactly. And I had England all the way to the final. I'm completely messed up my other side, but you know, it is what it is. Jimmy Conrad, always with the knowledge. Jimmy C, final thoughts before you go, my friend? No, I'm just excited. And, uh, I can't wait for the semis. I hopefully I'm right. But if I'm not, well, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a kick-ass set of games regardless. Absolutely. And you are right because I'm agreeing with you. So it could be <laughs> the same thing. All right, Jimmy Steve, thank you so much, my man. All right. Thanks, LME. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Pod. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, as well as CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. Remember, if you go to the catalog of our episodes, we also have Copa America quarterfinal preview and so much more. Stay with us because plenty more to come as we will recap the action after every day. Have a great, great day yourself. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.